we are talking about a comic book which we all read. If you did not also read this comic book, be aware we may talk about the events that happen inside of it. If this is going to make you sad, you should read the comic book first. That's like playing pretend with five-year-olds. Oh, that Spider-Man, he was just a clone. Did I just have a stroke? Welcome to the Trade Secrets Podcast. I have tough skin, apparently. I did not know I had this power. Comic book talk by comic book geeks just like you. What we did not know was that Nikolai Tesla was the original designer of the Fleshlight. Make it, make it, do it, makes us... Welcome, everybody, to episode 95 of the Trade Secrets Podcast. 96? No, 95. We had it right. I, I, I had it right last time, and you had it wrong. It is episode 95. Sure. We have five episodes until our preacher long read. Four episodes, and then our preacher long okay. read. Okay. Okay. Welcome, everybody, to episode 95 of the Trade Secrets Podcast. I'm Luke. Anne's here. Hello. Andy's here. Sup? Of course. Joel's here. Howdy. Uh, today we are talking about Gotham Central. It is a, uh, I'm sure, how many Batman issues Cop are in show. each? Yeah, it's like eight issues per trade, I think, or six? I think it's seven. Seven, something like that. So it's roughly 30 issues of uh, Batman stories without really Batman. NYPG. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll uh, we'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, I'm GCPD? I had something in mind that I wanted to talk about when I came here today, and I completely fucking spaced it, and I didn't write it down. God, this is like the early days of After the Fact right now. How about what the fuck? I'm way John, too sober for it to be early the days. John Berenthal being oh, John Berenthal being Punisher. cast as the Punisher in uh, oh, yeah. the Daredevil TV show. That was actually one of the first things that I talked about. Like we, when we finished the last episode. I thought we talked about when we were recording. Did we? Because like one of the first things that I talked... I mean, maybe we did, but I know that literally we finished episode 13 of Daredevil and I turned to my wife and and our roommate and said, God, it would be awesome if they brought in the Punisher as as like a villain slash foil, you know? Because it's like... He's an anti-hero. Yeah, he's a great for with the theme of the show and the theme of Daredevil always being, you know, how far how far do you have to take vigilantism? The Punisher is a fantastic like example like contrast to what Matt Murdock does, right? Yeah. You know, Matt Murdock's got his lawyering and then he does a vigilante thing at night and then and then there's the Punisher who just takes it all till 11, you know, possibly 12. And John Bernthal's great. Like I've liked him in nearly everything I've seen him in. What else was he in recently? He he played Shane in Walking Dead. Okay, Um, and he was in Fury with the Brad Pitt World War II tank movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because everyone loves hearing Brad Pitt say Nazis. Yeah, (laughs) and um, he was. I I actually I got introduced to him because he was in a show, a short-lived sitcom called The Class, that was. It, it only lasted less than a season before it got canned um, because the first half of the first season was actually pretty awful. Um, but then the second half of the sec- the first season was hilarious. It had just found its footing and then it got canned. Of course. And he was one of the main dudes in that show alongside Jason Ritter. It was like John Ritter's son. Oh, okay. Um, I'm like, uh, I know. Yeah. So yeah, um, I think it's awesome. I think Punisher is perfect yeah. to bring into the show. I think it's an interest. Like one of the thing that that I find particularly interesting about that incarnation of Daredevil is that the show deals a lot with like um, 
like what does it mean to save a city or like what uh, what right do any of these like rando freaking dudes have to do the things that they do and i think punisher is a really interesting sort of third variable like i think he'll be as interesting to look at in uh next to kingpin as he will be mm-hmm. next to daredevil so I'm that's why it. i'm interested to see if they have like who who the actual like villain for the next season is going to be if it's going to be i mean kingpin might be like an overarching thing but you're right i mean it might just be him trying to stop punisher from you know raising new york to the ground or them both being wrong sort of and right sort of at the same time yeah (laughs) and just bouncing off each other for a season i'd watch that there's there's a lot of threads that they left hanging, mm-hmm. you know, in that first season. Madam Gao. That's what I'm hoping for. Yeah, yeah Madam Gao, the hand. See, and I think, but that's the thing is, I think that they're only setting up Madam Gao for the in, Immortal Iron Fist show. Like, yeah. Okay. And Defenders, which is fine. Like, that's totally cool because I have faith, you know, after Daredevil, I have faith in their ability to do it right. And yeah, um, this is the first Marvel TV that I have been truly satisfied with yeah. like agents of shield is fun agent carter is fun but this is really satisfying mm-hmm. yeah the one thing i really love about the casting is that it's an actual brunette and not a blonde guy like thomas jane <laughs> or dolph lundgren uh <laughs> i mean you Pun- know Dol- Punisher dolph- war journal was a war zone little, with uh, war zone ray yeah. stevenson yeah oh, so good yeah it was it's a mixed bag for me punisher so here's the thing like i i honestly think that the the 90 was it 91 Punisher? Is that when it came out or something like I that? So. The Punisher with Dolph Lundgren. I, I, it gets a worse rap than it deserves because it's actually not a terrible movie. It's not great, but and it's also not a terrible version of the Punisher. No. Um, the Thomas Jane one and Punisher Warzone both have the same problem executed in different ways. Mm. Punisher, the Thomas Jane Punisher was actually almost right. Um, They fucked up his origin, of course. Like, his origin was unnecessarily stupid and overblown. Um, Because, like, in the original... His original origin is just, like, he witnesses a murder in the park, and because of it, his kids and wife get shot, and he escapes, and that's his thing. But then in the Punisher movie, they, like... It's like a family reunion in an island somewhere, and they kill like thirty-five members of his family, and it's just like, yeah, and it's just like, there's no need for this. Did someone jump a shark off the coast of the island? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I really liked Thomas Jane. Like, I thought he was really good. I really liked Ben Foster as Spacker Dave. Like, he was Ben Foster is fantastic in everything he's in, and then Travolta. Yeah, and Travolta just shits all over that movie. <laughs> yeah, like it's as Travolta and, does, and the weird kind of gross, like um, gay blackmail side story. Have you seen this movie? You're no. looking at me. Yeah, the like one of the mob guys who you're killing me. You're actually killing me. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, it was um, what yeah. like the so, whole scene with the Russian was the best part of that right. movie. Yeah. yeah, like in all the people in the apartment, the, you know, that I was... A rom-com gone wrong. <laughs> yeah. A rom-com. I think, I think the one thing that was kind of like the cherry on top for it is when he finally, the Punisher kills John Travolta and the explosion... Saint. 
The guy's name is Saint. Uh, was it? Yeah. Oh, okay. Like, who cares? Anyway. But <laughs> and the explosion looks turns like a into a skull. It's a skull in the like, parking lot. Yeah. yeah. It was So, for the listeners at home, which version of the Punisher movie are we talking about? The most this is, current one. No, this no, is no, the, the, the second. There have been three Punisher movies. Yes. This is the second one. Okay. So, this, this was early 2000s. 2000, 2000, I remember when that. Or 2005. Yeah. Um, and then my problem with Punisher Warzone, like, it was... It was Ray Stevenson was definitely the best incarnation of the Punisher as a character. I think he got the tone really right. Mm. I think the movie was a little overblown in its violence because it, which of course it kind of needed to be, but even for the Punisher, sometimes it was just a little much. I think, I think it was trying to do the raid a little know? bit. Yeah, which which face violence. I love it, but the. The real problem with that movie was the the Jigsaw, the guy that played Jigsaw, it was such, so tonally wrong. Like, it was a total tonal departure from the rest of the movie. Like, you've got super serious, grim, gritty, super violent stuff going on, and then you've got... This Brooklyn accent, fucking jigsaw, and he's just acting like a clown in the re- and it was just like. So would this be sort of like um, the thing with Batman villains is they're all really absurd and and bizarre, but like if you take I don't know what are the most three serious like. I guess it's like I'm thinking of the the new Batman movies and like the most mm-hmm. serious villains, and then you put '60s Joker in the mix. Yeah, it mm-hmm. it really was. It mm-hmm. it would have been like them. Getting like the old Caesar Romero. Romero. Mm -hmm. It would have been like them pulling, um, doing the Dark Knight Rises with old school Penguin. Yes, I I was hoping for that dance, but you know, fucking a four foot tall, rotund Oswald Cobblepot waddles on screen and hits somebody with an umbrella. All of a sudden, it's like what the fuck, and that's what it felt like. It's like. The rest of the movie is fine. It's a little, it's kind of a mess in places as far as plot goes, but it's, you know, it's Ray Stevenson shooting a lot of people, and that was okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm looking forward to seeing Punisher in the in the Daredevil show, because I think they, I mean, they nailed the tone of Daredevil perfectly. Mm-hmm. So I can't imagine them fucking up a character like the Punisher. Yeah, and they don't have 90 Elec- minutes to try to nail yeah. everything about the Electra? Punisher. Maybe. Electra could come in. They mentioned her in the first season. Yeah. Um, I would love to see a good film rendition of Electra. Yeah. Jennifer Garner makes her comeback role like just out of the park. It's like, what the fuck? Yeah. She's that terrible. Be- no, actually she's really good. Seriously? <laughs> yeah, it's 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 weird. Um because uh, Electra would be good and Bullseye would be good. Um But if they do Electra, they will have an exciting active featured fight scene with her and then they will make a action figure of that fight scene with a different male superhero. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the actual fight scene is Electra versus Daredevil. The one that gets, you know, made into toys is Bullseye versus Daredevil. Yeah. Even though Bullseye doesn't even show up in the season. Yep. Right? <laughs> yeah, that would make sense. I mean it wouldn't make sense, but it would make sense. Yep. I don't know. I haven't um it's hard for me to No, actually it would be like something even worse to be like Stiltman versus Daredevil. Right. <laughs> Mysterio. Oh, that's yes. a good one. <laughs> I love Mysterio. Yeah. Fishbowl head and all. I think he's amazing. I, I mean, always I l- have a half second where I mix him up with Ray Mysterio. Yeah, <laughs> Mucha Libre. Ray Mysterio, plain Mysterio. Yes. 
actually got to meet Rey Mysterio. What? Came to Nintendo when, oh, when I was working there back in the day, and yeah, he was. He came in mask because he's not allowed to show his face in public because of his contract. It's not Mysterio. Yeah. Um, Can you imagine him like a burger joint or something like that going <laughs> in? Uh, I just want to shake, please. Yeah, right. He's like trying, to, trying to <laughs> stuff a burger through the leather of the mask. That'd be funny. <laughs> Oh, my God, um, I just have this, imagine, like, this great version of him in a drive-thru talking through the mask. So the person speaking on the speakerphone's like, what was it like to order today? He responds with, I don't know what to do. Do you guys have any other like comic news or have been reading anything? Because I have not. Like, Oh, wow, that's dead silence. I've got, that's awesome. I've I feel like nothing. some cool stuff came out uh, in wouldn't with image but i feel like that's just because somebody said that and i was like oh cool maybe i'll make it to the comic shop this week no i had other olympia things. comics fest was last weekend i didn't go that's a thing cool. yeah it's it's more like um short ape. short run esque or ape esque like mostly indie folks yeah uh yeah right it's just one of those things like um i know that uh constantine actually officially got canceled um, which I'm actually Huzzah. fine with because I saw it was okay, but it just like yeah, it was like two. It was like eighty percent of the thing. Yeah, which was just dissatisfying for everyone. Mm-hmm. That's like having an eighty percent good meal. You know, you're like, yeah, I could go somewhere and get one hundred percent. It would be easy. It's right over there. There's a place I like. You know, but or I could eat this eighty percent good meal. Mm. What? Dean Cain's going to be in Supergirl. That's awesome. <laughs> there was some, I guess, if we're talking movie casting, they, they came out with more Doctor Strange casting, which That's right. they, I feel like what DC is trying to do and they're... Doctor Strange is Marvel. Beautifully. Oh, yeah. Never mind. It's not DC. Wow. Marvel's being an ass this time. Um, <laughs> sorry. There was like weird uh, uh, gray area racism and therefore I thought DC, but no. <laughs> misogynistic racist DC Um, you know so why I mean A why is Doctor Strange Benedict Cumberbatch we'll never know Mm -hmm. because he needs to be in everything but uh, they also put um, Tilda Swinton in yes as the ancient one that is traditionally an old Asian man have have you guys seen Snowpiercer Weird. Yes. Yes. Why did everyone rave about Tilda Swinson's performance in there? She's I in liked the, her performance. She's in, in there. that movie for like three minutes, and yes, she does a perfectly adequate job of no, her role. She's, she's in the movie for quite yeah, a bit. Fifteen minutes, first half. Like, uh, yeah, I, I love Tilda Swinton as an actress. I think she's mm-hmm. fantastic in just about everything she's been in. So I'm, it, it is one of those weird. It's like, whitewashing, things. and I'm really glad. I wish they'd had her be like Clea Strange or somebody. Like, yeah. So what were you saying? It was uh, is it just the other the ancient one and uh, cheeky old Chiwetel? Yeah, I, I can't I'm pronounce. Not his sure name. I, I can do his last name justice. Chiwetel anyway. Ejiofor. Yes. Hey, Ejiofor. It's Chiwetel Ejiofor. Yes. Who I have is. no I idea what you just said. He's it's, the guy. That, he's the guy that played the agent in Serenity. Yes, that's the oh, best okay. way to. Yeah. Yeah. So he's he he's going to also be in Doctor Strange, yeah. which is great because I want to see him in more sci-fi stuff. Yeah, but he's playing the bad guy also. Yeah. Which is fine because he's 
fantastic he's, in that he's role. a good bad guy he's so good yeah mm-hmm. he really is his role in serenity was like he awesome. just elevated that whole fucking movie mm. like um i don't know i i feel like lately every time we talk about comics news we're talking about comics tv or movie yep. news like the industry as a whole is just kind of hovering unless you're like hyper into uh, like Secret Wars Secret or Wars. Convergence, mm. and not I my just cup of tea. Do not give a shit about either of those. There's some. I don't know. I mean, I've, I feel like all of the the interesting indies are just kind of chugging along, and it's yeah. the fact that there's a bunch of them that are mid run. Like, yeah, you know, Red exactly. Queens is mid run. You know, some stuff is done. Some stuff is doing spinoffs, but it's not like we're having these. I mean, there's. I'm sure there are some brand the, new. The mantle two things. came out last week. I yeah. was gonna say, like we've we've talked a little bit about like Pisces and the mantle and yeah. some of the newer books that have come out and and there some great creative teams like yeah. Pisces, you know, are and they're just, just on their second run. They're just like this is this is another reason why I'm like such a hardcore image nut is because they just keep <laughs> coming out with fantastic books. Yeah, and it, it, like it's not really like newsworthy to talk about. There's another amazing image book it's because there's a ton of them, and it's been, I'd probably say, a good six years where it's just been like, this book is great. Yeah. This book is great. This book is great. And what's amazing about Image to me is that they have come up with they have come out with mediocre things and a couple of bad things yeah. over the last few years, but it's not like it. It is a very small percentage of their overall thing. There, you know, there's still things running like Savage Dragon, which is on two hundred and fifty some issues, and it just kind of exists because Eric Larson is in the, you know, in there yeah, is his, an executive. And, you know, there's a few other things like that that are just kind of, they kind of float around. But like every time it feels like it, we feel like a broken record every time Image comes out with a new book and we're like, they've got a new book and it's awesome. And it's awesome. Um, so. I also know that I, I've only been in my shop a couple of times this month. So I'm kind of, I'm out of the loop. Yeah, I did figure out the other thing that I wanted to bring up on the, on the show. Brain. Yeah, brain remembers. Um, Kickstarter started a little less than two weeks ago for the Sixth Gun RPG. Yeah, and it and funded it is, in an hour. Yeah, it funded. It was only they were only asking for six thousand bucks. It funded in an hour. It's going to be run under the um, the Savage Worlds rules, which is the um, Deadlands, which okay. of course is perfect. Yeah. You know, um, it funded in an hour. It's got. T- 15 days to go and of their $6,000 goal they're now at $44,000 I want to say um, it's going to be like it looks like they're going to be doing they're going to be recycling a lot of art which of course is what they do with RPGs like that but it is going to have some original art by Brian Hurt they're making six uh, resin miniatures of the main or eight resin miniatures of a bunch of the main characters including this fucking fantastic mini of uh, Oleander Hume coming out like coming out of his coffin with all the chains <laughs> around awesome. him and a, a saber in his hand and nice. shit like it yeah it looks it looks really really fun it's awesome to see that it funded so fast um, there's going to be a because one of the stretch goals that they reached was they're going to have an, an extra um, unique uh, story that Brian Hurt and Cullen Bunn and a couple other guys are working on to to put in the book. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's that's really awesome because The Sixth Gun is a fantastic world to 
you know, to role play in. I, if I remember right, the role playing game is technically going to be set in the decade or so prior to when the book starts. That makes sense. Um, so that's a nice, convenient way to sneak out of out of yeah. interacting with the plot into awkward away. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be. I think you can role play like during the Civil War uh, and yeah. during the time when the guns were still scattered, you know, and maybe Hume had one, it still had the sixth gun in his possession. And, um, but yeah, it, uh, it looks good and it, it, it's, I'm, I'm a backer. So, so I have a question then if we're not paying much attention to comics or <laughs> they're not doing anything exciting. Uh, what is a book on everybody's like to read, just haven't gotten around to it yet list. The mantle is one for me. Like I, it sounds phenomenal, but I just haven't gotten around to actually reading it yet. If you would have asked me yesterday, I would have said the mantle, but I got kind of well, lucky and read it yesterday. Fine. <laughs> um, man, what do I want to read right now? Let me look at what I. Joel, have. you got anything? I I don't. I never actually. Learned. Great comic podcast full of uh, people that don't read comics. I want to read Swords of Sorrow. I haven't checked that out yet, but it looks really fun. Swords of Sorrow. What is that? So it's basically a team-up book bet- with all of the like really over-sexualized pulp heroines. So like Red Sonia, uh, Vampirella, and others. And it's written by Gail Simone um, hmm. and drawn by somebody exciting who I can't think Pistol of. Pistol Whip. Right now. Uh, it's is a it? hardcover. It's by um, Paul Pope. Okay. Um, I love Paul Pope. Cool. I can just look at his drawings and not care. There you go. Has anyone read The Dying and the Dead? Mm-mm. Who's okay. that by? It's an it's another uh, John Jonathan Hickman Bodenheim ah. book. It's the same creative team that did Secret, um, which I loved. Secret. It was mm. uh, awesome. So I just yeah. but I haven't read it yet. There's yeah. There's a few in here that I want to read. Imperial is one that I've been looking at. Um. I started reading Nailbiter, but didn't really like it that much. Um, yeah, I've just been in this weird space where I'm like, I don't have time. I haven't had time to read anything but show stuff for the show. And when I do, it's like I get one or two issues of something. And I said Paul Pope, and I meant Matt Kent. <laughs> okay. That makes more... What? I said Paul Pope, and I meant Matt Kent. But you, you like looking at Matt Kent's art? I do actually. Okay. Uh, Giant was great. Um, like it's. I like. I love his writing. I okay. don't like his art. So fist uh, bump. Because I'm the same way. I, love, his writing. I tried reading. It's, it's like hi- I it's, love mind management. Hyper, That's the only one I can stand. Stylized. Yeah, it is. And if you can like, you know, if you can enjoy that, you know, I re- I respect that because I enjoy the hell out of Dave McCain and he is hyper hyper stylized. And well, see, it's the same thing that it's the same thing with um, oh, fuck. What's the name of the guy that did the um Parker books? turn around there's somewhere on the shelf oh what's his face god i wish that i wish that the parker books weren't based on parker because parker itself is so fucking awful he's such a scumbag it's amazing no it's just like 60 style sexism recycled and i don't need it in my life but god they're attractive and so beautifully designed yeah yeah okay i just so one of the things that i think is actually one of the things I think is actually really cool this we- is the weird crossover in the uh, in the comics industry right now with Chuck uh, Palahniuk. Is that how you pronounce it? Palahniuk. Chuck Chuck Palahniuk mm-hmm. actually writing oh, yeah, Fight, Club Fight Club Two. Two. 
and which like, I, I caught seeing the him free comic book day like little intro thingy, and it looks really good. Yeah, it does. And it, just the the concept of like Chuck Palahniuk showing up at comic book conventions, yep. you know, and, like, I, he was already throwing severed limbs at people. Of course, yeah, he's been doing signings down in Portland a lot because that's where he lives, and uh, I, I keep wanting to. I have the strangest, weirdest little convergence of fandoms that happened because, <laughs> so... Darwin Cook also. Uh, Darwin Cook is... Okay, to, to rewind a little bit, he's another guy whose art I understand is good, but I do not like. That's why I don't like ah. the Parker books because I, I just don't him. like his style. Um, so the Chuck Palahniuk thing is... The game Small World. There's a board game called Small World. Yes. And they did its fancy, fantastic edition. And one of the little mini expansions they did for the game originally had a little tile called Small Club. And it was a, it was a spoof on Fight Club. And it was a spoof on the Fight Club movie cover with the bar of soap, right? right? So when they came out with the super special edition they made a miniature of that bar of soap small club thing and i desperately want to paint it and make it look nice and then go to a comic convention and have it signed by chuck palanek <laughs> like and have this total fucked up weird convergence of different things yes, i'm interested yes. in all coming into one one little bit so okay, okay so i i remembered what i want to read yeah all the stuff that I haven't read when I started. <laughs> no, uh, so the the Hickman uh, run for Avengers and New Avengers. Mm-hmm. So I heard how, and that leads into Secret War. And so I started it. It was really great. Like to finish it. Also, East of West. Yeah, East of West is a one that I'm just constantly reading. Yeah. It's one of my favorites. And and that's one of the things is, it, I think it's because of this podcast that I can't read singles. I got to read trades. And so I wait Three months or six, six months. months. Gross. Yeah. Until I think it's because of this podcast I started reading singles. So there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Andy's just corruption flipped. is complete. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the same for me. I got back back into for the like the fourth time reading singles because of this podcast. And now over the course of this podcast have gotten back out of reading singles. So now That's I'm fair. back to trades only. Mm-hmm. So Yeah. And for me, it's just space issue. I, I can't have all those singles all over yeah. the place. Cause Long box number 30 is now filled. For the last couple of weeks, we've been reading the first uh, trade of Gotham Central. Covers the first seven or eight issues. Is that the first one? Two story arcs. Two story arcs. Um, it was a collaboration between uh, Ed Brubaker and Michael and Greg Rucka with art done by Michael Lark. Uh, for those of you who are into modern things, you will recognize the Rucka-Lark combination as the current creative team on Lazarus. Um, uh, it is a... What are you... Ten. One through ten. One through ten. Okay. Um, so this was... These uh, are nice, like, collected. They're, we read them in collected hardcovers. Yeah, we did. They're very nice books. Um, so, Andy, since you selected this, why don't you start with by describing the book, and then we'll we'll do by Barbara Byrne. Okay. Um, so this book is basically... It focuses on how Gotham City Police Department, like, their day-to-day lives, and just how fucked up it is to be... Like, because normally you'll see, you know, uh, Gordon and a couple of the other... Bullock and Bullock, yeah, like a couple of the of other guys. officers, and they're like background characters, and then like it takes place sort of out off screen of Batman. It's what does you know the Gotham City Police Department do 
how the fuck do they handle like Mr. Freeze in a drug bust? Mm-hmm. I mean, they're just people against supervillains, and they hate Batman. Well, for the most part, or they yeah, think these he's are a myth. The, these are the cops that are not Gordon. Yeah, like and this is just you know the day a day in the life of a standard Gotham police department officers. You know, like what what happens in his normal day. And I love this book. Like the book had me from the get go because it was recommended to me uh, by my local shop. I don't know when it came out. And they're like, you need to read this. I'm like, why? They're like, because it's amazing. And it fills in so much of the background story of, mm-hmm. you know, what's going on in Gotham outside of Batman fighting Bane. Um, when you read the first issue, the very first thing that happens, spoilers, is that Mr. Freeze, they think they're doing a drug bust and it's actually Mr. Freeze's place. And how does Mr. Freeze handle it? He just kills two of them. Well, he kills one and he freezes one's leg completely yeah. solid. So then, I guess we'll we'll come back to you last for buy Barbara Burn, and I'm gonna we'll start with Ian. Bye, I would definitely buy it. This is, I mean, Joel said it before the podcast, but the, I, I agree. This is my favorite Bat book, which is ironic because it really doesn't have Batman in it. Mm-hmm. But but um, I'm a sucker for stories that that humanize like sort of archetypal stuff. Uh, that's why I like Marvel a lot mm-hmm. because they tend to do that. Um, this also, in some abstract way, reminded me of um, the like. Terry Pratchett's uh, Discworld books in terms of his original impetus behind writing Guards Guards was thinking about like at some point there's going to be a scene where they call the guards and the guards come and like some you know a couple of them get cannon foddered and then they leave and he went into writing just about the city city guard and this is you know same thing just with the police department in terms of um that scene that's usually half a second of whoop cop got fridged lol um actually unfolds and we get to follow that i think that's really cool uh um, i'm in the same boat it's um it's my probably my favorite bat book uh or gotham's related book um i enjoy reading about batman but i think this is i mean it's this is just a it's a really well-constructed police procedural that happens to take place in a city where there are supervillains and vigilantes. And it is constructed... And the reason for that it is, a, is that it is a collaboration between two of the best crime and noir writers in the comic book industry, like, ever. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I think it's fantastic. It's a buy from me. So initially I was thinking it was a borrow because because it is a police procedural and it's not about comic books or it's not about superheroes and and the usual comic books. Um, I was thinking that it wouldn't be for everybody, but reading through it again, it was like, it's so good. Uh-huh. It, it really is good. And it, it goes into just the conversations that they have and what cops have to go through um, <clears throat> in their day-to-day lives that um, it, it really is a great read. You know, it's got a lot of good characters. It's not just about cops and robbers. It's so much more, and it's really good. So bye. Yeah, bye. I, Andy, sorry. Um, it's solid buy. This is one of the books that I use to get people to read comics. Yes. Mm. So for listeners out there, the reason we do this at the beginning of the show now is so that uh, if we do like something as much as we like Gotham Central, um, we're going to warn you ahead of time that we're going to spoil the shit out of it for the next 20 or 30 minutes. So if you don't want to be spoiled on the first trade of Gotham Central, then run out and grab it, read it. It is uh, like it's a four four person buy. So if you trust our opinions on comics, then you should be able to trust you know, going out and picking this up uh, on our word, and then you can listen to the rest of the show and and uh, 
find out what we think about it. So start start with you, Andy. You're the guy that recommended the book. So like, what it you know what do you think about it? So um, I mean, this is standard Brubaker fair where it's a you know it's a noir story, and the way that he crafts it, the um, we're only doing the first ten, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, it. It does such a good do- job of taking the mundane day-to-day stuff and intermixing it with the fantastic. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you've, you've probably written, you know, if you read crime stories, you've, you know, read tons of stories where something starts out with a drug bust that goes wrong or they actually they're looking for kidnappers. Um, where, but how it goes wrong, like, just sets the tone for the, you know, the entire book where these people are so outclassed by... And they know it. And they, mm-hmm. yeah, they know it. And... How the, you know? How do you deal with a thing where your job is? Yeah, if you know, I have bad luck on Monday. Killer Croc could eat my face. Or that's what I was thinking. Like they they open or they knock on the door for the kidnappers, and they open the door, and fucking Mister Freeze is there, oh, and it fuck. might as well have been a goddamn Velociraptor. It's, it's just like ah, go run go. <laughs> it's just. Um. But to continue along the line, uh, one thing that I think is done really well in these books is that the villains, Joker, Two-Face, um, Mr. Freeze... Harvey Dent. Har- yeah, Harvey... No, Two-Face. Two-Face. Oh, he's just said... Uh, uh, <laughs> it's like... Huh? Uh, the, the... Sort of the dialogue and their thought processes... I mean, these people are all insane. Mm-hmm. Literally, they are not, you know... Mm-hmm. F- for whatever reason, they're just not whether they were cryogenically accidentally frozen and need diamonds to power their suit or they were dropped into chemicals and got their skin bleached and whatnot. Um, they are literally insane. But they do have distinct motivations outside of ha 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 ha, I'm the villain. Punch me in the face, Batman. Yeah. Um, this gives a great look at the villains and the background supporting characters for Batman. So if you love Batman and you want more depth on the supporting cast, this is excellent excellent resource i appreciated the relationship of the gotham city police department to batman like you were saying they do they do kind of hate him it's more like like it was interesting for me to reflect on two things one that batman is just a dude like he's not super powered he's just a dude with a lot of like wealth and toys and you know genius etc etc um but their relationship with the bat signal I found really interesting in terms of they do they have, have someone this, on staff that because they can't actually they can't do touch it, the right? bat signal. They hire an independent contractor whose job is to hang out and yeah, know, right. Do the bat signal if, if necessary. Who is an interesting character in her own right, which I because in this instance, like in the timeline here, this is after this is after um, Gordon has retired. Yeah, so he's no longer police commissioner, which he would normally be doing it. But so it's like the, Gordon's out of the way. But the police department still realizes that they need Batman and they need to use the bat signal. But the HR department stepped in and is like, right. no, whoa, 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 whoa. we got, Le- we got to have a corporate workaround. Yeah, right. This. Legal and HR got together and they're like, ah, I don't. So uh, about this vigilante hmm. justice. <laughs> yeah, you realize that the Joker could sue us. And, uh, <laughs> so Steve over in accounting was doing the budget. And <laughs> yeah, and, and that's the kind of minutia, <laughs> real world minutia that nobody really gets into we always the thing is it's not dull it's yeah. not like this is the tale of the gotham city police department hr internal you know affairs <laughs> it, it's it, it follows coherent interesting characters it is our policy to refer to the light as a bat signal or the bat signal we can never imply ownership of the bat signal so it's never your bat signal <laughs> 
Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It. Um, but it's weird to have a Deus Ex Machina button. Like, yeah. and part of part of like the internal conflict of a lot of the cops is. So how do I function in this city with insane villains that clearly outclass me and maybe my entire department? And I could like summon the, you know, the Batman at any time. Like how do I have a purpose? I also really enjoy how they portray Batman in the very brief moments that he does show up because I really liked, like, for example, um, the the initial storyline that you read was with Mr. Freeze. Um, he kills a guy's partner and then, you know, freezes his hands and causes some problems for some other cops. Um, and then at the end of the storyline, the cop whose partner got killed turns on the bat signal just ostensibly to have some random discussion with Batman. And he says something to Batman, and Batman just kind of goes, okay, don't turn on the bat signal anymore. And he leaves. And it's just like, he, he definitely has this, like, uh, you're not Gordon. I don't give a fuck about you. I got to go. Bye. I got shit to do. Like, actual crime needs yeah. being fought. Here. <laughs> um, and, that's, and that's one of the things that I, I find interesting about the portrayal, because that's, I'm sure, um, you know, fucking Batman's a sociopath. Bruce Wayne is, like not right in the head especially when he's in the batman persona so when the only interactions that these beat cops ever have with this vigilante that helps them out is for him to dismiss them out of hand it's kind of an interesting dynamic between them that you you could probably see it's funny you might see Every t- as I was reading this, I was imagining how things would have led up to it from the Batman perspective, from the bat- Batman's point of view, right? So, like, in that scene, I can imagine um, Bruce Wayne was out doing something one night, and the bat signal came on, and Alfred called him, and he, you know, rushed to somewhere to suit up and swung his ass all the way off over Gotham City just because some jackass wanted to have a chat with him. And he was just like... Fuck me. God damn it. I left a model and a ballerina in that restaurant. God damn it. <laughs> you know? Um, and it, and at the end of the book, I did the same thing. So spoilers for the, for the second storyline in this. The first storyline was Mr. Freeze, but it also leads into this kidnapping case. Um, and then it, you know, as they solve the kidnapping case, one of the other things that happens is the next storyline is about Rachel Montoya. Rachel? Yeah. Rachel, Rachel Montoya, who... Um, all of this shit starts happening to her. Um, she gets out. Her, you know, she's a lesbian, and she gets outed uh, to her um, coworkers, and then you know she gets framed for a murder, and then she gets broken out of her pr- uh, prison uh, transport, all because we find out that you know Harvey Dent has got some kind of freaky, you know, uh, crush on her, and mm-hmm. you know wants. His obsession with duality. He's obsessed with, yeah, obsessed with duality. And I saw that whole storyline because it it wraps up, spoilers, wraps up with Batman saving her because the cops don't know where the fuck, what the fuck happened to her or where she ended up. And Batman, you know, I, it was another thing that I see from Batman's point of view where somebody called Batman and was like, one of our cops got kidnapped, and we think that Two-Face may be involved, and Batman was like, blah, and he did his investigative part of it and found out where Two-Face was and then broke in and beat the shit out of everybody. Mm-hmm. And I really liked the the interaction where he walks in the room 
and she go and he goes there's five guards tied up in the other room i took care of it and she's like what the fuck do you mean took care of it i'm already in enough shit as it is and now you're making it worse and batman's response was like well you were going for the gun and if you were to kill it and one of two things was going to happen you were going to kill him or he was going to kill you and neither of those options is okay Mm. and then he just leaves and it's like which i think is interesting too because when we're seeing things from batman's perspective we don't see the collateral damage yeah and this book is all about the collateral damage yeah yeah i also think that rachel montoya is an awesome character. Um, yeah. She definitely like rises to the top of my like women in noir list. Um, and, I, it's also, she's not a victim. Yeah. And she eventually oh, becomes you, a Greg vigilante Rucka. herself. She becomes the question. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. Oh, okay. It's a, and so she like, I guess maybe this is in what um, the question comic book. Oh. I don't, I don't she know. Go, if, no, she's actually, she a, yeah, a super, not, not really she's a super vigilante. Hero. She's a vigilante. Yeah. So she doesn't have any superpowers or anything like that, but she always is out there, you know, trying to solve yeah. crime because that's, the cops really don't do and it. And that's actually kind of cool because I know that it, over my years of reading comic books, there's always been characters who are inspired to become vigilantes or heroes because of other heroes that that have somehow involved themselves in their lives. Mm. And I've always like kind of what like Miss Marvel, yeah, Miss Marvel. Um, I know that it has superpowers, so it's a little different. But like, um, um, why, am I, why am I blanking? What on are the mantles? No, the uh, the name of the new Spider-Man. His name Miles, Miles Morales. Morales. Miles Morales. God, thank you. I don't totally spaced. Um, you know, there's there's these characters like that that are always like, you know, even the Robins, right? Right. right? Robin is like the Batman saved my ass, and now I want to perpetually. My stuff. parents were killed. And yeah, um, that's a bit suspicious. I've always kind of, in some ways, when things like that happen, I've always kind of wanted to see what they were doing beforehand. You know, because it it always felt a little disingenuous to me for a character to have just been leading normal life, leading normal life, leading normal life, tragedy. I'm going to be a vigilante. Yeah. Right. Like, so when it comes down to someone who's a lifelong cop and has been doing police stuff for her whole life and then her dad, a cop deals with, yeah. And then deals with a bunch of shit and deals with, uh, vigilantes that outclass the cops and then she eventually becomes a vigilante herself that leads and makes more sense to me and that's something that they don't do in comics well enough anymore is take existing characters and actually and develop li- them. logically develop them into the right. the the heroes or side characters and develop them into the heroes they're just they're so focused on like introduce hero tell origin story later retcon it tell it again retcon it tell it again retcon it, it tell it again retcon it tell it again yeah it, it again. seems <laughs> like a lot of superheroes are trapped in this place where they can't actually have personal growth because they have this one role yeah and that is that's honestly one of the things that you know to take it back to image comics like we were talking about earlier um they don't have very many superhero comics but the ones that they do like invincible there's a that guy goes through a fuckload of actual legitimate personal growth and change over the course of that comic oh, book. What? Yeah. Yeah. Action heroes mm-hmm. who are yeah. active and have character arcs. Yeah, right. Horrific. And aren't you know, aren't a forty year old high school student for thirty years. Right. Oh my God. Like um I don't know. Yeah, I, I, this book is 
this book is just fantastic. Mm. Like, uh, there's, I don't know what more to say about it other than the art. I want to get to the artwork in a minute, but if you guys had anything else you wanted to talk about as far as storyline goes, then I appreciated um, Montoya's queerness and how that was put forth and also how that was discussed. She has like the very quiet, like moment with one of her female supervisors who's like, Hey, if you need, you know, hints on how to survive the police force as a lesbian, like we can chat. And she's like, yeah. And she kind of misunderstands, right. Which is like the, because the cop, like I, I actually really enjoyed that that um, moment moment because um, it there was a there was that like undercurrent of racial tension in it yeah. that misdirected Montoya's like thought process so that she didn't quite get what right, the, what was happening what the per- woman was telling her and I really really liked the way that that played out mm-hmm. um, because I it was. Two very delicate issues all in one scene handled very elegantly. Yes, and I think that's one of Rucka's, in particular, specialties. Not that Brubaker isn't good at writing people that are not like him, but Rucka, in particular, is very good at writing women, and I Mm. appreciate that, like, when I think Batman books and I think, like, queer women of color, not necessarily... Yeah, there's like a limited overlap of those diagrams. So I was really one. happy that, <laughs> which is one of the things that actually this was the one, <laughs> which is one of the things that actually scares me about Rachel Montoya being a, a vigilante character in other DC books, who you know damn well don't handle that stuff as elegantly uh-huh. as these guys likely did. Um, mm. You're awfully silent for being the guy who picked this book. I'm just enjoying you guys discussing it because I mean these are like all conversations that I had when I first read this book mm-hmm. and like you guys are going through the same thing that I did a decade ago. Ah, <laughs> uh, you kids. Oh, you, yes. you wacky kids. When, okay, so when did this come 2004. out? 2004. Okay, and when did the question come out? She, I just looked it up. Um, the question was a previous character Okay. that was kind of like the spirit or whatever. Okay. It was just a vigilante and he had died and Renee was... His, it's Renee Montoya. Renee, that's what it is, not Renee. <laughs> was, was his protege because she left the, the PD. She was an ex-cop and became his protege because she wanted to take crime into her, or the law into her own hands. Hmm. And when the 52 <laughs> happened, she was, she became the question. Okay. Okay. And probably, like, had, you know, DC writers and artists. And she and Batgirl had a thing for a little bit. She got killed by a train. Like, seriously? No. Okay, I would believe it would, that. I, no, because uh, back, because Batgirl, you say you back, say that shit, and that's how okay, bad DC no, no, is ba- to me Batgirl, because that sounds. Batgirl was like Batgirl got done. married, and if I remember correctly, in the next episode, there was a train wreck that killed her wife. Oh yeah. Mm. Oh right, because and then everyone went, "Thanks, DC, way to not let yeah someone be happy, someone be happy, especially uh, a lesbian couple." Has DC done anything stupid today? Yes. Um, <laughs> Today, uh, I haven't checked. I'll go check what the count is. <laughs> <laughs> it's on two. No, so um, it just clicks back down to one. <sighs> especially reading this first, uh, this first arc, um, seeing like my first uh, introduction to Michael Lark's art was Lazarus, and I really like his art in Lazarus. I think he does one of the things that, like, I always talk about facial expressions being so important, but I think one of the things that Michael Lark does so fantastically is body posture um he his characters just feel really feel a lot more realistic especially in talking head scenes um just because of the way people sit the way they lean the way you know there's a there's a the scene 
um, it's one of those typical per- procedural montages where um, it's a bunch of different cop, different partners uh, going out and questioning a bunch of different people about the about the uh, kidnapping. Mm. And there's the one scene where they're um, they're at one of the I don't remember. Uh, they're at a air conditioning place, I think it is, and one of the cops is like the typical like suave swagger cop, and he's kind of hitting on the the receptionist, and she's you know she's kind of responding, mm. and the body postures and the and the way that they that he draws that scene is really fantastic. Yeah, but it's interesting to me to see just how far his art has evolved in the last ten years, um, because in these books he he very much looks like Sean Phillips's style um in that you know the kind of typical noiry uh style michael walsh is another artist that looks very similar to this um he's the guy that did uh comeback okay and um but where phillips has kind of like I don't want to say stagnated, but just stayed relatively the same for the last 10 years, which is not a bad thing. Don't he's get me he's wrong. focused on his own style, and he's yeah. not changed it. He's cleaned it up. He's cleaned it up some, and he, but he's like basically the same. Michael Lark, I can... like His art in Lazarus just flat looks different and more evolved than what you see here. And I'm not saying the art is bad by any means. The art is in this book is actually really good and really fitting. the series for very the, well. Yeah, it's really fitting for the storyline, which, it's I like mean... just w- noir enough. Yeah. It's not, like, screamingly noir, and it's not screamingly realistic. Either. Yeah. It's just noir enough, and when Batman shows up, he has a little bit of that Tim Sale feel. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it fits the series really well, um, and... I don't think I would have pegged it as being Michael Lark's art if I hadn't known. Um, in fact, if I had just picked it up off the shelf and looked, I would have thought it was probably Sean Phillips. But I really enjoy the artwork in this. I think that um, I think it's really, really well done. And uh, uh, Brubaker and Rucka just have um, kind of a f- if they get the choice, if it, if they got the choice here, I think they have a phenomenal. Um, uh, track record for picking their artists yeah. and making mm-hmm. sure that they fit the storyline that they're trying to tell. Yeah. The one like, thing I really appreciate is that all the different characters look different. Yeah. They have their own personality. And a lot of times with comic books, you'll look at them and the only way you can tell different characters from each other is um, either have they hairdo if, and if outfit hairdo or if they have boobs or not. Yep. So, you know, so otherwise be they're all the same. You should be able to define a character by their silhouette and it should be different from other characters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, Michael Lurk can even like, Help me differentiate between all the the white males. It's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. there's yeah. a lot of there's there. I mean, we talk. We've been talking a lot lately in the industry and on this show about diversity and stuff. And it, this, even being ten years ago, is a wildly diverse comic for. Oh, yeah. Like it reflects reality. It's yeah, awesome. it's really great, and it's especially it's especially awesome because of the fact that, I mean. It takes place in a major metropolitan city, mm-hmm. which you would think that in all of the comics that are set in Gotham, they would be diverse because it's a fucking giant metropolitan area, yeah. and they don't always. And this one does a really good job of, of it. Um, yeah. So, so there, there's one scene that I was looking at where they're trying to find 
uh, these kids that were related to the girl that got murdered, uh-huh. right? And it was a bunch of white kids playing basketball. Yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah, who in the inner city is going to be playing a bunch of white kids playing basketball? And they actually addressed that too. It's like, well, okay, dog, you, are yeah, you right. sure you want to go to prison where these these uh, these black guys are going to enjoy your rich white kid in the dog appropriating their culture? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was like, oh. uh, so one Actually scene is that I absolutely fucking love from this series, it's not in book one, it's in book three, but there's a fight where there's a giant muscular guy and Batman swoops in and starts fighting him and they leave through a hole in the wall and Renee and the other, like Renee being the cop and then there's a human guy who was with, he was working with the bad guy. They're both in the room after like Batman and the, the supervillain leave, and Renee looks and turns and just kicks the shit out. Of yes, <laughs> and, like the last panel from that scene is like showing the hole in the wall. The guy's crumpled up on the ground, and she's just kicking him in the ribs. <laughs> <laughs> it's moments like that that really I think stand out in this. Book. Like this book is like it just has this. There are these moments like single panels where it gives you this amazing visual image of what's going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like the in the very in the that's book three. I need book one. Book um, one's right there. The redheaded female cop, whatever her name. I I'm trying to remember her name. I I, and it's I don't remember names of anybody unless it's unless it ends in man or is hyphenated. I don't remember like names of characters in comic books. But there is the scene where they like they hyphen man. Yeah, right. They open the scene. They're they're out questioning people and. Um, uh, her and the other guy are questioning some gangbanger dude and like he's all they open the scene with him already on the ground detective Romy Chandler already on the ground and her, her partner is just leaned up against a car going like she's got a black belt dude what the fuck are you thinking <laughs> it's like it was really good I I really just like um, the the personal interactions every character has got a very unique personality um you know the fbi guy that's kind of their liaison is just like he's he's like always just kind of grumpy um i really like the conversation between him and the police chief when they're when he's like oh what about hitler did you think he was doing the right thing and the guy's like conversation over you know somebody invoked hitler that means the end of conversation um there's just it is it is the best Bat book that I've probably read in a long time, and Batman's hardly ever in it. I really, really, really like this book, and I'm I don't own the hardcovers yet, but I'm going to get them. The mm-hmm. so yeah, I mean, I think. Did do you guys have any last words before we wrap this up? I think that this is a um, technically a Bat book, but a book that would appeal to a fairly wide audience. Like yeah. if you're reading comics because you like police procedurals, you'd love it. If you're reading comics because you'd like the noir. world of Batman, you'd love it. Noir, you'd love yeah. it. If you just enjoy um, character development, characters or realistic portrayals of women, like yay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have a hard time finding fault in any of the yeah, and I, this book. I don't want to sound like I don't, don't want to sound, sound positive. I don't want to sound fanboyish, but they're really I'm like I've not read the other arcs, but the it, the whole thing is only forty issues long, yeah, mm. and um. Even in the first ten issues, I can't. I don't think I can find fault. Except I and <laughs> yeah. No, 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 no. This is the thing. No it's friends. it's not a fault. It was something that when I was reading it, I thought was going to be a fault, which was the the um, the whole Rachel Mont or Renee Montoya like 
her getting Rachel f- Green. Her, her name get- is Rachel yeah, Green. Right? Her getting framed and then, you know, she goes to court and then she does, you know, has IAD on her ass and like all this stuff happens to her felt very cliche police procedural right up until Two-Face comes into the mix. And that's I and you see like as you're reading it you're like kind of oh come on this is like this is the same, same, same shit that's in every police procedural and and then and then they flip it on its head and then you realize it was all on purpose it yeah. was all like oh we're leading into this twist where two faces yeah. is, is the guy that's doing it to this person so um, that, that's one like i have faith in brubaker and rucka enough that i did not have any i was reading and i'm like okay so where's this going to go where is this going to go and then it flips i'm like ah yep okay <laughs> yeah yeah, uh, this is a fantastic book, and it's in f- it's collected in four really nice hardcovers that are actually not that hard to get. Are they? Like, okay. Yeah, I, like, I think it's been out of print for a while. Yeah, they you can usually find them for about twenty to twenty five bucks a pop. Um, so you can get the whole thing for about a hundred bucks for four very nice hardcovers, forty issues, which is uh, I think that's worth it. I think I, it's absolutely know. worth it. If you mm-hmm. cannot afford a hundred dollars worth of comics, go make friends with someone who can. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> they do they do have soft covers out of them, and they are available digitally. So, like, if anybody wants to get a hold of this book, it's it's available. And and I, I can that, say from experience that these are books that you will reread. Yeah, I read them every three ish years. Yeah. Yeah, this is a great book, so everybody should go out and buy it. All right, everybody. Uh, We've got five episodes coming up that we've all got um, scheduled out. Episode 96. This has been episode 95. Episode 96 is Afterlife with Archie. Episode 97 is Wormwood Gentleman Corpse. Uh, episode 98, All-Star Batman and Robin. That was Morrison, right? Yeah. Did Grant Morrison write that? It was Morrison and Quitely, wasn't it? No, Quitely did Quitely Superman. Did... Yeah. He did All-Star yeah. Superman. I don't yeah, remember like, who did the art for this. Um, episode 99 is yet another Warren Ellis book, Trees. Uh, and then on episode 100, we are doing our, our long read of the entire run of Preacher. None of the side stuff, just the main core Preacher book. And the story of you-know-who. It's so good. Yeah. Um, and as uh, fitting, I think it's fitting that uh, our preacher long read is, uh, we've decided is going to be the final episode of the Trade Secrets podcast. Um, We've been going for... Five years. By the time it ends, it will be four and a half years. We started the show in uh, 2011, beginning of 2011. It was a year after the After the Fact podcast started. And uh, it's been... An amazingly fun, awesome run, and everyone is sick of looking at my face. <laughs> Andy Zico has, yeah, Andy Zico yeah. has destroyed the book, show. I'm going on a book tour. Um, I'm trying it. to be nice, but fuck you, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, For the listeners at home, I'm actually a terrible human being. This is the nice <laughs> version. Like. Luke does a serious service for you all by cutting out all my bullshit and my rampant <laughs> egotism and. Oh, yeah. Mild racism, racist, misogynist, misogynistic, fucking. Mm. Um, I'd anti, like to think that I've slowly anti koala. Anti koala. I hate koalas. <laughs> They're fucking <laughs> Drop worthless bears. sacks of shit. Huh? Okay. Anyway, um, I'll get edited out though. <laughs> yeah, for for the listeners out there, uh, you got five episodes left to take Herp. take part in the show. Um, it now. looks like we will be recording if if we stick to our schedule, and we've done a pretty good job of that. We will be recording our preacher long read slash 
uh, final episode of the show on August 22nd. So between now and then, uh, we would love to hear from fans of the show. If you've been listening for the last four and a half years, let us know. Uh, take part in the episodes with Afterlife of Archie, Wormwood, uh, All-Star Batman, uh, Trees and Preacher. Send us questions, comments. We love getting fan mail, so uh, you're running out of time to give it to us, though. So... Um, over the next few months, we will have the last five episodes of the show coming up, and we will uh, we will do something big and spectacular for episode 100. It's already going to be big and spectacular because we're reading Preacher. the entire run of one of the best comics uh, ever written, basically, and um, we'll we'll make sure and make it a fitting a fitting end to the show. After the fact, mm-hmm. we had a two and a half hour final episode, so uh, we'll probably go. Ramble on. Long and strong <laughs> uh, for for episode 100 of Trade Secrets. Did you guys have anything that you wanted to say before we uh, wrap up wrap up episode 95? I hope to God you people actually read this book before hearing our discussion and the spoilers because it's <laughs> so amazing. Yeah, mm. really good. I like book. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, if, you, if you would like to participate in one of the last five episodes of the show, you can email us at tradesecretsatgeekerific.com. You can hit us up on our Twitter account at tradesecretspod. You can hit us up on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash tradesecretspodcast. Uh, we have a lot of interaction on that group, a lot especially. So if you have anything that you want us to talk about on the show or if you have questions or comments, then that's a great place to do it. We're all individually on Twitter. So Anne is... Anne being tweets. Andy. Mathtastrophe. Joel. Superfly. I am at Geek Elite. Uh, we, uh, I've already talked to you about what the next five episodes are going to be. Hopefully we'll hear from a bunch of people before our final episode, and uh, we, will, we will see you guys later. This has been episode 95, all about Gotham Central, and we're out. Hitler. Working harder, making better, doing faster, makes us stronger, more than ever.